Welcome to the new 24-Minute Bible Podcast, where each week we seek to understand the practical truths of the Bible and how they can change our lives. And now, here's your podcast host, Pastor Mark Miner. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for allowing me to spend 24 or so minutes with you today on this, the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Uh, thankful for you stopping by, and we're going to be talking today uh, about something that maybe will make sense to you if perhaps you're new to the Bible, maybe you're just seeking, searching out some truth. Uh, this may not be a, a, a situation or a building, a, a term that you're familiar with, but we're going to be talking about the Old Testament tabernacle. The tabernacle was very much a part of the work of Moses. It's found in Exodus chapter 25 through 31, and, and much more beyond that, the specifics of it are found in those chapters. Uh, it may seem a little boring. I, I do uh, wish I had charts and graphs and you were here in the room with me and we could look at the pictures, but I will encourage you to find your own pictures. Just uh, Google Tabernacle and do some search, or you can go to my Facebook page, the 24-Minute Bible Podcast Facebook page, and I'll have some of those pictures posted there for you. But uh, I want to just uh, explain the purpose of the Tabernacle. There were ultimately many purposes, but, but the deepest purpose, as I record this today, we're approaching uh, what we call Easter, Resurrection Day, and one of the things that God has done all through the Bible, again, you may be a regular listener, or this may be your first time, but regardless, I, I want to just make mention that God's heart is always to call us deeper and farther on. In fact, C.S. Lewis, if you've listened to any of his books or read any of his books in the Chronicles of Narnia, his last book, uh, he's always talking about going, uh, calling us deeper, going onward and upward. And that's one of the beautiful things about the God of the Bible. He, he calls us to himself. He wants us to know him. Not only that, he wants us to experience him. And of all the things that the tabernacle uh, exemplifies, that is probably the most profound, the deepest truth, if you will, is that God calls us to him. What I want to do today, and usually I try to lay out some points, and certainly I want to make some points or at least give you some facts concerning this, uh, this God-ordained structure called the tabernacle. But I want to reserve the majority of the time for simply recognizing how God has worked, not only in the Bible, but I would suggest to you how he's worked in your life if you uh, have been aware, paying attention, and if what I believe from the scripture and my own experience is true, God calls all of us to him. And there's a very specific way he calls us to him. The Bible talks about a narrow way, and it's not that he's excluding anybody, it's just that there's not a super highway to heaven. It is a narrow way, and it is through one individual. And the scripture is very clear in the New Testament that one individual is, is Jesus. In the Old Testament, we have what I often call coloring pages. We have uh, sort of the form, and then we have to fill in the blank, but actually, uh, and fill in the colors and, and try to understand it. And it doesn't always make sense to us. Until we get to the New Testament, until we get to the life of Christ, all the promises of God, 
all the coloring pages of God, if you will, find their completion, their fulfillment, their yes in the life, the journey, the truth, ultimately the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So uh, with that little beginning, I uh, hope you'll just continue to join with me right now as we just talk about the tabernacle for a moment before we actually jump onto the path and take the journey through the tabernacle. The tabernacle is the one thing on planet Earth that God specifically, explicitly gave to be designed and built. He gave it to Moses. Moses is on top of Mount Sinai for those 40 days. While he's up there, of course, he gets the Ten Commandments carved in stone. You've seen the movie, Charles and Heston. Here we go. Uh, Exodus and Moses. And, uh, you understand perhaps a little bit about that. But during those 40 days, God gave Moses so much more that he wrote down and that he was commanded to do. And one of the most important things was to build the tabernacle. Exodus 25, 8 and 9, God tells Moses, make me a tabernacle. Now, you may step back and say, well, Mark, I don't have a clue what the tabernacle is. Well, a tabernacle is a tent. It's sometimes called a tent of meeting. The tabernacle that God caused Moses or, or commanded Moses to build was a courtyard about uh, 150 feet long, 75 feet wide. That was the courtyard, about half of a football field, if you will. And in, the, in part of that, toward the end, backside of that uh, half of a football field, that courtyard, there was a tent, and that was called the Tent of Meeting. The tent was divided into two parts, the holy place and then a smaller room called the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt. We'll touch on that in a few moments. So you could maybe get a picture of that and uh, you could see it. Actually, if you go to Israel, there is a tabernacle set up today. Not the original one, of course, but one you could go through and get an idea uh, about what it was there for. But this isn't a dry Old Testament history lesson. Uh, there's a purpose to everything God does in the Old Testament. It's our joy and privilege to pick up our colors and our colored pencils and whatever and fill in the blanks. Now the lines are there. They're provided for us. And we are not necessarily to color outside the lines and create our own picture. God has given us the picture but he allows us to, to put the coloration in for ourselves to understand and for our own life to help us. So God gave to Moses and ultimately to the Hebrew children, these children of Israel, this uh, incredible gift called the tabernacle. He was very, very specific about what it was to be. Uh, he, he told them, he gave in, in, uh, in Exodus 25 to 31, in the six chapters, uh, there's, there's uh, a specificity that is almost like a blueprint. For example, uh, God gives Moses uh, to, as a, to the design of the tabernacle. He tells him the colors that the gates are supposed to be. He gives to, them, gives to Moses the size of almost everything in the tabernacle. He gives to Moses a command of the, of the materials that are to be used, the different types of cloth and leather, and also the different types of metal, the gold and silver and bronze or brass. He tells him even the orientation of the temple and how its, eastern, its front door is to be oriented to the east. 
So he's very specific about the, the tent, this tabernacle itself. And then he tells Moses that, that two men, uh, men with names known as Bezalel and Ohaliab, Bezalel and Ohaliab, God specifically names those two men. He says, I have filled them with the Holy Spirit. They are to be a craftsman. And they are going to build six pieces of furniture that are to go into the tabernacle, this, this building I'm giving you. Now, uh, that's very specific. God doesn't do that with anything else. He doesn't really do it with the temple for Solomon uh, 400 years later. He doesn't do it exactly with Noah as Noah's building the ark, although he does give him uh, some specificity as to the boat. But God is very specific in every area, and there's a reason for that. Because the ark wasn't just a place where the holiness of God would be felt, although it was that for the children of Israel. It wasn't just a place for his presence to dwell, although it would be that for at least the 400 years or so that it was used from the days of Moses to the days of the Temple of Solomon. Uh, God didn't even uh, give it to them simply to, uh, to have a picture of uh, what salvation, because I, I don't think, I don't believe uh, that the Hebrews had much of an understanding of why they were walking through or doing some of the things, why they were looking at some of the things that were part of the tabernacle. They were obedient, but I'm not certain that they understood the meaning of them, of, of these uh, different acts or these different pieces of furniture. I don't know that they could have until they had been these uh, events and God's plan had been fulfilled in the life of Christ. So I want to encourage you just to continue on as we walk through this journey uh, the, of the tabernacle because it was not a random prefab sort of a structure. If God is doing something specific and defining things down to, to cubits or feet, if you will, and colors, there's a reason. And so as we study through the Bible, anytime God gets specific, you might ask yourself, you might ask God, What's the meaning of this? Because there is a meaning. God doesn't ever do anything just because. He does something to communicate to us his truth. And I would say to you that the Old Testament tabernacle is, is a picture of the call of God on your life and my life to call us onward and upward, as C.S. Lewis said, to call us deeper into his presence. Because that truly is what God's desire is for us to know him as he knows us. For us to experience him as he has revealed and allowed us to be a part of his glory. So let's take that journey, if you will, in these next 14 or so minutes. And just uh, you may be aware of the pieces of furniture I will direct you to my Facebook page if you want to see some uh, a picture, or at least an artist's concep conception of those pieces of furniture that Bezalel and Ohalia built. Or you can Google it yourself and, and see some of the other uh, possible ideas. We, of course, don't have these pieces of furniture today. Uh, we don't know where the Ark of the Covenant is, uh, although that's still a very hot topic of discussion and a discussion for maybe a later date. Uh, but we, we don't have the originals. What we do have, though, is a very specific pathway 
for you and me, not only to understand the Old Testament, but to understand how Jesus' call and his fulfillment, in fact, his salvation experience and invitation to us, is totally answered in this structure called the Old Testament tabernacle. So here we go. Follow with me, if you will. I'm going to give you uh, five, and I'm not big on numbers, five and six and seven. I mean, you know, those are important. But, but I believe there are five different gates that we go through in the tabernacle. And I think each one of them is indicative for us of a journey or a part of a journey for our life that we have been invited to because certainly God invites us to himself and to experience him in his glory and in his fullness. Hopefully you have done that. Let's talk about the tabernacle. The tent was set up. It was moved from time to time whenever uh, God commanded them to move, the children of Israel in the wilderness. Then he would lift his cloud, uh, the glory cloud, if, it's, if you will, sometimes called. Uh, it was fire by night and a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day, very ominous to all the enemies, but very glorious to the people of Israel because they knew God was with them. When the temple, or the, excuse me, the tabernacle was set up, the first thing that happened, the first thing you would see, is that there was one gate, only one. And that gate always faced the east, but not only that, God specifically commanded that the tribe of Judah was in front of that gate. In fact, you couldn't get into the tabernacle unless you went through the tribe of Judah. Now, you may say, well, why did God do that? Why, why not Reuben or Gad or Ephraim? Why? Well, uh, again, some conjecture here on a lot of theologians and scholars' parts. I'm going to give you my ideas. They won't always agree with everybody's, but I'm going to give you mine anyway because they're mine. Uh, and this is what I truly believe. But the tribe of Judah is, of course, the tribe of Jesus. And so Jesus has basically camped his tribe in front of the gate. There's only one gate, one way to get into the presence of God, and you have to go through the tribe of Judah to get to the tabernacle. Jesus said it this way in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the only way to come into the presence of God, to press on, was to come through the one gate that was the tribe of Judah. Now we've entered that gate. You've made that decision to step through the tribe of Judah and come through what I'm going to call today the entrance gate or the eastern gate uh, because it's the Judah gate. You come through the tribe of Jesus, literally through Jesus. Now we've stepped into on holy ground. And now we've stepped into this courtyard of the tabernacle. The first thing you encounter once you've stepped in to this, uh, this tent, past this tent, uh, it's an open air tent, by the way. It's a courtyard. We haven't got into the tent yet. We're in the courtyard. There's a fence all the way around the courtyard, so you can't see anything else except what's going on there in the courtyard of this tabernacle. The first thing we see, though, is a bronze altar. And that bronze altar is a place where animals are being slain. 
It was a place of death. In fact, there was fire on the bronze altar. Uh, the animals, the sheep, the doves, whatever it was that was being sacrificed on that day and for that particular reason, uh, their bodies, according to the very specific scriptures of the Old Testament, which can wear you out in some ways if you try to follow all of them, but just to understand this, uh, there were dead bodies that were laid upon the altar, bodies that were uh, animal bodies that were being sacrificed for the sins of people. The Bible tells us that for every sin, uh, there's, there's death. The wages of sin is death. And so the first thing you encounter is when you walk into the presence of God, when you step through Jesus, is this gate of smoke, if you will. Or maybe you could call it the fire of salvation. For us, for believers, we understand that something had to die for our sins. At Passover time, each family would bring the Passover lamb. And that lamb would be slain, sacrificed in front of everybody to see the wages of sin that their sin had cost as this innocent lamb was slain. The New Testament coloring page, if you will, we see a very clear picture of Jesus who was the one slain on that altar. It wasn't a bronze altar. It was a cross. And upon that cross, uh, there was someone that died for us. So that would be the first thing that you walk past is this bronze altar with uh, animal flesh, with the smells, with the smoke going up. Perhaps that was to remind the worshipers that uh, something died so that they wouldn't have to endure that smoke and fire of an eternity of death. Perhaps that's the case. Regardless, as we walk past the bronze altar, we're continuing to move forward now. We're pressing in, if you will. We're moving toward the tent and moving toward the things of God. The next thing we encounter is what's called the bronze laver, and that's a bowl made out of brass or bronze. It was made literally out of the mirrors of the ladies who surrendered their mirrors so they could be shaped into this bowl, uh, this, this sort of a birdbath-like structure, larger than that. We don't know exactly how large it was. could have been two feet, three feet uh, wide, but it contained water, and it was for the washing of the priest. After the passing the altar, the next thing that happened was, was this bronze laver, and the priest would go, and they would look into the water, and as they were washing, they would see the reflection echoed back, uh, resonating back from these mirrors that now became this washing vessel. Now, uh, that I would call the water gate, if you will, not the water gate of Richard Nixon, but a gate of water. Now, why am I saying these different things? Well, if you're, if you're uh, these different gates and these different uh, passages on your journey, let me just go ahead and jump there, and then we'll step back and finish out the holy place and the holy of holies. But I think this is a picture of what God has done for every believer. We come to Jesus and we come through Jesus. The first thing we encounter is the cross where Jesus died for your sins. After you understand the cross and accept it, the next thing that should happen is the bronze laver, the water, if you will. It's for the washing of the priest. You've become a priest because you've accepted Christ. And now you are to follow him in baptism. You are to go into the water. It's a water of the cleansing. 
So you're saved, uh, to use the term from the New Testament. And then you're baptized. And, and we're continuing to move into this tabernacle. And so now we've made our way through the courtyard. And now we come to this tent, the true tabernacle, if you will. And as we step into the next gate, if you will, it's the priestly gate, or it's the gate where only priests can enter. And if you're a believer in Christ, the New Testament says that we are all priests and kings because of the relationship we have with God through the death and our baptism into Jesus Christ. So now we can step into this tent. Here's where things continue to get very interesting for us as we think about the tabernacle. Because as we step into the holy place, uh, we understand or we look around and we see three pieces of furniture. We've already passed two. The bronze altar, where death took place. Then the bronze laver, the bowl, which signifies, I believe, our baptism. And now we're stepping into the holy place. This is the place where priests live and operate and do their work. So what would you expect is in this holy place? Well, according to Exodus and according to the plan of God, there are three pieces of furniture there that we need to understand. One of them is called the altar of incense. The priest's job was every day to stir the incense so that the fragrance would continue to emanate from that fire, that smoldering, and from that, that fragrant, wonderful uh, uh, creation. The Bible also tells us that incense is symbolic of prayer. And so the priest's job every day was to stir up prayers, prayers for people, prayers for yourself, praises to God, uh, petitions for needs. But it's all about prayer, and that's what the altar of incense was about. That was right there in the holy place where the priests did their work, their daily uh, labors. Not only that, another piece of furniture there was the table of showbread or bread. And every day the priest's job was to take a fresh loaf of bread and lay it out on that table. There were 12 of them, according to the Old Testament law, one for every one of the tribes of Israel. But it was to be fresh bread. And that bread was sometimes broken, and that bread was laid there. And for us, we understand the table of bread to be the fact that God calls us to break his bread, his daily bread, which is the word of God. And he wants us to open it up. He wants us to taste and see. He wants us to partake of it. And so we have the table of bread there in the holy place where the priests do their daily work. And there's a third uh, piece of furniture there that Bezalel and Ohaliab had fashioned, these anointed craftsmen. And that third piece of furniture there in the holy place is called the menorah or the candlestick. And the fire was to be perpetually going, tendered, continuing to burn, uh, day in and day out. It provided, in fact, light for everyone to work there in the holy place. Part of the job of the priest was to trim the wicks from time to time, uh, remembering that you can't just live on the past, you have to live on the present. What happened in the past was glorious, but now it is, it is gone. And that light once shone, but now it is no longer there. We trim the wicks so that we're not just living on what God did in the past, but it's a daily presence, just like the daily bread and the daily prayers. We have daily light, fresh light, the illumination of the Holy Spirit for us every single day. 
And so the priest's job is to bask in the light of whatever God might be revealing to them in that day. Now we're in the holy of holy, excuse me, now we're in the holy place, but our next, our fifth gate, if you will, is the veil or the curtain. Because between the holy place and the holy of holies, there was this curtain, this beautiful curtain made of blue and purple and red, woven with cherubim on it, God told Bezalel Haliab. And when you went inside this curtain, there was one object there, the sixth piece of furniture, if you will, and it's called the Ark of the Covenant. There the Ark of the Covenant dwelt, and of course it was a gold box the size of maybe a, an office desk, a little smaller perhaps. On top of this desk, if you will, this, this uh, piece of uh, furniture, were two gold cherubim facing each other. And you can see pictures of it, or again, if you've seen uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or some of the movies, uh, perhaps the, the, uh, the object fashion there for that movie prop may give you a, an idea. We don't know exactly what it was. That's not really important that we know exactly what it looked like. It must have been beautiful. It was of gold. But the important thing is the meaning of the Ark of the Covenant. Because God has called you not just into the courtyard. He didn't call you just to be there by the fire to you know, offer your sins or, or uh, accept Christ for your sins. That's the beginning. But he calls you to follow him into identifying with him. That's believer's baptism. And then he calls us into the holy place to do the work of the priest, to pray, to uh, offer up, to open up the bread each day, and also to, to bask in the light of the illumination of the Holy Spirit symbolized by the menorah, the candlestick. But he calls us onward and upward. He calls us deeper still. No one could go into the Holy of Holies except the high priest and only one day of the year in the Old Testament. We don't have time to get into all the, the ramifications of that, but simply understand you couldn't go there in the Old Testament because you weren't the high priest. But there's an incredible verse found in the book of Hebrews 10, 20, which says that we now have the privilege to go into this very room, the Holy of Holies, because the curtain has been torn in two from top to bottom. That happened when Jesus died. You can read about that in the gospel. And it wasn't just symbolic. It was literally God's invitation to say, now because of what Christ has done, you can come into the very presence of God. Because there, my friends, in the Holy of Holies was the Shekinah, which means visible glory of God. God dwelt there among his people in that very centerpiece of the tabernacle where he revealed himself to them. They couldn't know him, but you can because that temple veil has been torn in two. In fact, Hebrews says that that veil was not a veil of cloth, but it was a veil of flesh. It was the body of Jesus. When you take communion, the bread is broken for you. And part of the understanding of that is that Christ's body was broken, sacrificed for us so that we could come in to bask in the very presence of God. The book of Hebrews tells us that we can come into the very holy of holies to receive mercy and to find grace to help in our time of need. What was excluded in the Old Testament, because all they had was a coloring sheet, has been colored in, fulfilled, wrapped, and given to you as a gift that you can come into the very Holy of Holies 
that you can bask in the very presence of God, that you can experience his glory, his joy, his fullness, which is unending, which is incredible, which is the, 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 the very thing that God purchased for us in Jesus, that we might become sons and daughters of glory, that we might dwell in his presence, that we might know him in a fullness that the Old Testament individuals could never no, not even Moses, who couldn't see the glory of God, but could look upon the back parts. He got a backside view of God. But you and I could come right into that very place and experience the glory of God face to face. No, we won't see his face, literally. But we will feel like we know him and he will make himself known to us in ways that will totally just melt you down. It will just totally absorb you. It will cause you to want more and more. Because the one thing with God is he gives us an insatiable appetite for him. For, for all that he is, for the goodness that he gives, for understanding this incredible thing called life and the universe and this relationship that he has provided for us. So that's really a picture of what the tabernacle tells us. We start outside. But we make our way in. We are saved. We are baptized in obedience to him. We move in to do the work of the priest. And, and as we're doing that, the curtain is opened up and we can come right on in through prayer, through the word, through the illumination of the Holy Spirit. We can come right on in to the very presence of God. My friend, if you need something today, if you need his wisdom, if you need his peace, if you need his forgiveness, if you just need his comfort, I encourage you, you have every right to come right on into the presence of God. Only when you go through the proper channel, which is Jesus and salvation and moving on in. But that is God's plan for you. He wants you to know him. Because I can assure you, he knows everything about you. Hey, thank you for this time. We went a little long today on the 24-minute Bible podcast. It became almost 29 minutes apologize for that, but I'm passionate about this journey. I hope you know that journey as well. And if not, I pray that you would investigate it. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and see you next week on the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to our channel. And if you would be so kind, share it with your friends who might enjoy it. We would also love it if you would leave us a review. It really does help us. Join us next week for another episode as we work our way through the Bible book by book. Have a blessed week.